0: These are the names of some of the black men and women who have been killed by police. I want to dedicate this episode to all these people whose lives mattered. We love you, we miss you, and may you rest in perfect peace. Eric Garner, John Crawford III, Michael Brown, Azelle Ford, Michelle Casseau, Laquan McDonald, Tanisha Anderson, Akai Gurley, Tamir Rice, Romaine Brisbane, Jermaine Reed, George Mann, Matthew Ajibade, Frank Smart, Natasha McKenna, Tony Robinson, Anthony Hill, Maya Hall, Philip White, Eric Harris, Walter Scott, William Chapman, Alexia Christian, Brendan Glenn, Victor Manuel LaRosa. Hashtag say their names. Good morning, neighbors, and welcome back. You're listening to Good Morning, Neighbors with Jane Jeanette Ansa on WKDU 91.7 FM. I am very delighted to host this season of Good Morning, Neighbors, which is a collaboration amongst the Lindy Center for Civic Engagement, Drexel Edits, a center for the support of nonprofit communications, and radio station WKDU. This is our first educational, or as I like to say, learning episode. If you've been tuned in this season, you know that we are doing a two-part interview discussion series. One part on the education of Black history and issues plaguing the community, and the second part includes interviews with local nonprofit organizations and community leaders who are directly tackling the issues facing our community. The setup is similar to the intro episode, except it's less of my very valid feelings and thoughts, and more facts, education, and understanding. So for this week, we will be talking about mass incarceration, police brutality, and prison justice reform. Today, we're going to be taking a look back through history of policing and incarceration and learn why black people, especially men, get incarcerated at a high rate and are overly brutalized by police. So if you have any negative preconceived notions, just go ahead and leave them at the door because I'm about to school you, okay? On Thursday, I will be having a conversation with and interviewing an amazing community leader, Mr. Jeffrey Abramowitz. He does a great deal of work with Reentry, and this is not an interview that you want to miss. Now, as always, let me put this disclaimer out there before we begin. I know the police is a touchy subject right now, as many Americans want to abolish police and others stand behind the police with their whole heart. Either way, there is no bias in this podcast. I'm simply presenting true and relevant information in hopes that you may learn and then create your own thoughts and opinions based off the accurate information. With that being said, we all know that the police are supposed to be there to serve and protect the community. However, I think that sometimes that power and lack of accountability gets to people's head, and it allows them to take their hate, anger, and bias out on innocent members of the community, or it makes them do their work recklessly, furthermore, hurting more innocent members of the community. So let's just go ahead and dive right into this episode. Policing in colonial America was broken up into two forms, a for-profit, privately funded system called the Big Stick and the Night Watch, which was more informal. Night Watchmen were posted to help stop impeding danger, but as the nation began to grow and expand, that system could no longer keep up and different parts of the country had new uses for police. The first official police department was created in the 1830s. While some states or colonies created the system to be a service to the people, the South took a different approach. The first American policing system in the South was known as the Slave Patrol. The Slave Patrol was created to preserve slavery by chasing, catching, and returning runaway slaves, preventing slave riots, and punishing slaves outside of the law. According to Gary Potter, a crime historian at Eastern Kentucky University, The first formal slave patrol was created in 1704 in the Carolina Colonies. After the Civil War, these slave patrols evolved into controlling freed slaves and enforcing Jim Crow segregation laws. This included exerting extreme and excessive brutality on African-American people in this country. Alongside this cruel origin of police in the South, the police also have a history of corrupt origin. Political party boards would pick police chiefs and captains in order to use police to harass members of the opposing party. They would even go as far as to pay officers to turn a blind eye to illegal activity. Hmm, doesn't that sound familiar? After Jim Crow ended in 1968, because we are dealing with the new Jim Crow right now, but that's a whole other episode. After Jim Crow ended, the police no longer had a legal way to brutalize and harass black people. But guess what? They still did it anyway. They would still treat black people unfairly and brutally. You can see this in the horrifying ways police treated black people during protests. Pushing them around, hosing, beating, locking up. The crazy thing is, they would never do such things to a white person. You can also see this happening, especially during the war on drugs. In 1971, President Nixon coined this term in response to the growing use of drugs in youth, but instead of helping, it more so attacked drug users and criminalized drugs. This led to an increase in federal drug control agencies and the excessive incarceration of Black people, especially men. We'll dive more into this in a minute. But let's go ahead and fast forward to a society that we are a bit more familiar with and used to. There are two things I want to focus on here mass incarceration and police brutality, because these are the two most prevalent ways we see the racist evolution of policing in America. Mass incarceration is the extreme rate and concentration of imprisonment. The United States has the highest rate of incarceration in the world, leading at 25%, but only making up 5% of the global population. Make it make sense. The following statistics are from the NAACP criminal justice fact sheet, but I want you to think about a few things here. Do you ever get scared or worried that the police will pull you over? And if they do, are you terrified to deal with them or do you think you can work it out? Well, a black person is five times more likely to be stopped without just cause than a white person. And so now think about this. Have you ever felt targeted in any scenario because of your race? 65% of black adults have felt this way. And this takes me back to the war on drugs because it lasted well past 1971. When Reagan came into office in 1981, he exacerbated the war on drugs, creating propaganda, demonizing drugs, and drug dealers painting them as horrible, evil thugs. But get this, as the budget for this war on drugs was increasing and leading to greater, more expensive incarceration, the government was defunding schools in urban or black neighborhoods. What do you expect when you defund the schools in already underfunded neighborhoods, leaving these children with little to no resources like extracurricular activities, clubs, field trips, opportunities, resources, textbooks, AC, staff, classrooms, and just so much more and all of these things vary from state to state and depending on region. but the fact remains what child wants to learn or even deserves to learn in such an environment instead these children have decreased interest and increased time to be out and about on the streets learning about life the hard way this is the easiest and quickest gateway to drug usage and criminality these kids don't know any better and that it's not their fault. It's also unfortunate that the system was set up this way so many years ago that it's the way some communities live and the adults in that community only know and pass down what they're used to. This is where abolishing or defunding police comes into play. It's not to say that we want to take all the money away from the police and get rid of them. It's to divest money from the police departments and invest that money into communities that need it, communities that need help. Another issue that arises from the mass incarceration of black men is the lack of the father in the home. When welfare, a form of government assistant, was first created in the 1930s, aid was denied to families with an adult male in the home. For many black Americans at that time, Still fresh from the Civil War and Jim Crow, they needed this assistance the most. But that would require fathers to leave the home, depriving our families. Some people argue, however, that this is not the issue, but rather the dependency that people had when they were on welfare became too comfortable for them, causing them to stay below the poverty line. And again, that's not the craziest part. African Americans make up only 29% of the population arrested for drug offenses and 33% incarcerated for the same reason. But Black people only make up 5% of illicit drug users. Why is that? Although both Caucasian and Black people use drugs at similar rates, Black people are arrested and incarcerated more than six times that of their white counterparts. Why is that? Because of one simple fact. Black people are overcriminalized in this country and overly brutalized by the police. Let's take a short break before we dive deeper into police brutality and how it fits into the grand scheme of our lesson today. Hashtag say their names. Jonathan Sanders, Freddie Blue, Joseph Mann, Salvador Ellswood, Sandra Bland, Albert Joseph Davis, Darius Stewart, Billy Ray Davis, Samuel DuBose, Michael Sabi, Brian Keith Day, Christian Taylor, Troy Robinson, Ashams Farrow Marley, Felix Kumi, Keith Harrison McCloyd, Junior Prosper, Lamontes Jones, Patterson Brown, Dominic Hutchinson, Anthony Ashford, Alonzo Smith, Tyree Crawford, india Kager, levante biggs welcome back everybody if you're just joining us you're listening to good morning neighbors with jane Jeanette ansa on wkdu 91.7 fm i have been giving everyone some history and facts on mass incarceration which is directly related to our second focus today police brutality now this is honestly one of my least favorite things to discuss because as much as it is painful physically painful I think it emotionally weighs on all black people like the entire community as a whole seeing our people killed and beat without regard to human life is it's painful it hurts it it makes me angry and it's really hard to watch and to add icing to the cake most of these cases never see justice since 2005 98 non-federal law enforcement officers have been arrested in relation to fatal on-duty shootings. To this day, only 35 of those officers have been convicted of a crime. And more often than not, it has been for a lesser crime, such as manslaughter, as opposed to the murder, which it has been so many times. But before I get all emotional on y'all, let me just give everyone some context. So police brutality is known as the act of excessive force by police officers towards a person. This brutality comes in the form of bullying, physical or verbal harassment, physical injury, and even death. This violence is targeted mostly towards, you guessed it, black people. It makes you wonder, huh? What about black people makes them deserve such treatment? The correct answer is nothing, they don't. No human does. But you don't even have to take my word for it. Let's look at the facts. Based on 2019 research on police relations, 84% of black people say that police treat white people better than black people, and 63% of white adults agree. 87% of black people and 61% of white people both agree that the U.S. criminal justice system is more unjust towards black people. Police have killed 751 people already in 2020 alone, 28% of that being Black people, regardless of the fact that Black people only make up 13% of the population. There's an average of 900 to 1,000 police killings every year. All I know is police officers should not be killing anybody, period, whether Black, White, Asian, Latinx, whatever there has to be better de-escalation tactics put into place and practiced by all officers. I think the reason that this happens so often is because they are rarely ever held accountable for their actions or face justice at all. But again, that's a whole other conversation. As I was doing my research for this episode and looking back through some of these stories, I dropped a few tears. Even though I've heard these stories countless times, it still hurts a little differently every time. I just want to make it known that this is a real crisis and it affects black people so deeply. There have been too many deaths for me to talk about it all right now, but I have been saying the names of those murdered throughout the show to honor them. May they all rest in perfect peace. Believe it or not, it is true that more white people are killed by police than black people, but black and Hispanic people are disproportionately impacted. 61 percent of the population is white and they make up 41 percent of fatal police shootings while black people are only 13.4 percent of the population they take up 22 percent of fatal police shootings something doesn't add up right these statistics don't even account for the non-lethal acts of police brutality and shootings we have seen too many examples of police brutality From the Rodney King beating in 1991 to the horrific death of George Floyd this year. There are much deeper effects of police brutality on the Black community at large than just the death of our people. The emotions that come with seeing Black people killed and treated so brutally on top of the feelings of outrage and the need to fight for justice is just simply draining. Especially when we and other allies are constantly demanding justice and nothing is changing. It takes a huge toll on the mental. I mean, it can get very depressing. On my own personal account, I still remember every police killing I watched on the news and heard about and how sad and hurt it made me for years and still to this day. And then this year, in the midst of a pandemic that is disproportionately killing Black people, George Floyd was killed. And it broke my heart. I couldn't think about anything else for days. I mean, the world was literally going up in flames over it. And I could feel the weight of the world's sadness and outrage on my own shoulders. I know that I had a deep longing to make a change and just put everything I have possible towards this fight. But at the end of the day, I'm still a student. I still have my own life, my own struggles. And it's hard to balance and focus when in the back of your mind, all you can see is black people dying and thinking, that could be me or a loved one next. That in itself is, a, is another effect, a lingering fear that it could be you. None of those people expected their encounter with the police to result in death. A fear of being stopped by the police or of even calling the police to address a situation. It's real. This is what has created the distrust between Black people especially and the police. We need police reform and we need it ASAP. Police need more training. They need bias training and new de-escalation practices. Police don't need to respond to every call. I like the idea of having social workers and such professionals responding to calls alongside police. Police definitely need more rigorous background checks and schooling in order to become a police officer. In America, a person needs a high school diploma and 21 weeks of training to become a police officer. In many other countries such as Germany, Finland, Iceland, Norway, etc., people need 2 to 3 years of training and or a degree to become a police officer. Now let me tell you why this makes sense. In Norway, where 3 years of training is required, only 4 people have been killed since 2002. 7 in Finland and none in Norway. Maybe we need to adopt some of their best practices. We're going to take one more break and be right back, so stay tuned. Hashtag say their names. Michael Lee Marshall, Jamar Clark, Richard Perkins, Nathaniel Harris Pickett, Benny Lee Tignor, Miguel Espinal, Michael Noel, Kevin Matthews, Betty Jones, Quintonio Legreer, Keith Childers Jr., Janet Wilson, Randy Nelson, Antrone Scott, Wendell Celestine, David Joseph, Calvin Roquemore, DeJean Perkins, Christopher Davis, Marco Loud, Peter Gaines, Tori Robinson, Darius Robinson, Kevin Hicks. Mary Trixillo. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Good Morning Neighbors with me, Jane Danette, right here on WKDU. We have talked a lot about a lot, but if you're just tuning in, we were discussing police brutality just before the break, and that leads me into my next and last focus, criminal justice and prison reform. I won't be spending too much time on this because I discuss it more on Thursday with my special guest Jeffrey Abramowitz. The criminal justice and prison systems are both broken. It was built off of hate, cruelty, and greed. It serves harsh sentences for petty crimes and does nothing to help truly rehabilitate people once they enter the system or even leave prison. Rather, it treats incarcerated people like less than human and makes them work for free or very little pay and this work is for for for-profit companies. This is what we call the prison industrial complex. And I would advise everyone to go ahead and look that up because we don't have the time to get into it today, but it's something important to know. Some other issues with the prison system includes inmates being stripped of certain rights once they get back into the real world. Um, Prisons are overpopulated. African-Americans are arrested more than five times that of white people. And it's not because they commit more crimes. It's because they are targeted simply because they are black. Being black in America feels like a crime. You can die in the blink of an eye just for being black. And that's a very scary thought. This broken system is what allows for such high rates of incarceration. So make sure to join me on Thursday as I talk with Jeff, a formerly incarcerated, now community leader, in depth about these issues. As we're coming to the end of this episode, I will be replacing my Black History Facts to share some of the stories of Black people who were wrongfully killed by police. As you may have noticed, I have been saying names in the intro and during breaks. Um, These are the names of all the Black men and women who have been killed by police. Many we have not seen, and the scariest thing to me is that there are many we will never know about because there was no video footage or news. I want to dedicate this episode to all those people whose lives mattered so let's take it all the way back to 1991 with the beating of Rodney King Rodney King was badly beaten in the middle of the street near death by LAPD officers after a high-speed chase during his arrest for drunk driving people drive drunk often and the police also chase people in the streets often When has beating someone so badly ever been an acceptable act after arrest? And it wasn't one officer involved, not two, not even three, but 14. You thought I was gonna say four, huh? (laughs) No. One of the main reasons this had so much outrage was because it was filmed and shown to the public. It's one thing to hear about these things, but to actually be able to see it is even more tragic. But it just makes it all that much more real. There were riots and protests following this with little to no systemic change. On July 17, 2014 in Staten Island, Eric Garner was killed by way of chokehold as he was saying, I can't breathe. We've heard this before. On the video, you can hear him asking the officers why they always bother him. Even with video evidence, no officers were indicted. On August 9th, 2014 in Ferguson, Michael Brown, an 18-year-old boy was shot and killed during a struggle with police during his arrest. Police left his body in the street for four hours following his death. And of course, protests and riots started taking place again, and of course, there was no indictment. On October 20th, 2014, in Chicago, Laquan McDonald, a 17-year-old black boy, was shot and killed by police after initial claims from police that he was acting erratically while walking down the street. Thirteen months later, dash cam footage revealed that he was actually walking away and that officer was charged with second-degree murder. This was important because it was the first time in years an officer has faced justice for their thoughtless actions. On November 22, 2014, police shot and killed 12-year-old Tamir Rice while he was playing with a toy gun in the park. They began shooting at this child as soon as they pulled up both officers involved were not indicted what a tragic horrific story on july 19 2015 police shot and killed samuel Debose in cincinnati ohio for missing tags and driving without a license the officer involved was indicted but those charges were eventually dropped Death should never be the punishment for driving a car without a license plate or driver's license On July 6, 2016, in Falcon Heights, Minnesota, Philando Castile was shot and killed by police in his car during a traffic stop, in front of his girlfriend and four-year-old daughter. Five shots to a man in a car with his family. He was following instructions. This is what we mean when we say, you don't have to do nothing but be black and die. The officer in question was charged but later acquitted. On March 18, 2018, Stefan Clark was shot 20 times by police officers and ultimately killed while in his grandmother's backyard with his phone in his hand. No officers were charged. And the more recent deaths that actually prompted my zeal to focus this season on such issues. Breonna Taylor, wrongfully killed in her home after police fulfilled a no-knock search warrant at the wrong home. Her killers still have not been charged and George Floyd, who was getting arrested for using a counterfeit $20 bill. The police officer knelt on his neck for nearly nine minutes after he had become unconscious, even while he was saying he couldn't breathe, even while he was calling out for his mother, even while people were telling the officer he was killing this man, all while three other officers stood around and guarded this officer as he murdered yet another black man. It was one of the hardest videos to watch. Such disregard for human life. And the most recent and heartbreaking instance of police brutality we have seen is Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old African-American man, was shot in the back five times by police officers on August 23rd and is now paralyzed. Jacob Blake was helping break up a dispute when police arrived on the scene for a domestic call. In the video of the shooting, we can see Blake walk around his car to the driver's side and with two officers following him closely. As he reaches into his car, officer Rustin Chesky pulled him by his shirt and shot seven rounds into his car, five of them landing in his back. His three children were in the car at the time. I am extremely grateful that he didn't die due to this violence, but he didn't deserve it either. At the end of the day, If it was a white person in the exact same situation it would not have ended that way at all why is it that when it comes to black people there are no other de-escalation tactics than to shoot the person most of the time these people are unarmed to begin with what i'm seeing is that black skin in itself is a weapon and threat to police In developing news, protests began immediately after the shooting and on August 26, a 17-year-old white boy and his father came to a protest with AR-15s ready to shoot and kill protesters. The teenager actually shot into the crowd and shot a black man in the face who is now dead, and he also shot another man who died as well. I would be remiss not to shout out the hero who lost his life fighting for justice. Thank you to Anthony Huber, the man who only had a skateboard but tried to take down the shooter after firing that first shot. Unfortunately, the shooter shot him in the chest and he passed away. I would like to observe a moment of silence for his life and all the lives lost to police violence and white supremacy. May they rest in peace. now i didn't even get to talk about the deaths of black people at the hands of white supremacists Ahmad arbery who was shot and killed by another father-son duo in G- georgia as he was jogging around his own neighborhood or Emmett till a 12 year old boy who was beaten and killed by white supremacists because they thought he was being offensive to a white woman in the store there are so many more instances of white civilians killing black people simply because they think we don't belong and are inferior can you imagine you know what you don't even have to because it's actually happening i walk around afraid that i could lose my life at any moment i walk around terrified because i never know when i may cross paths with the angry white supremacists and how they may act on that anger I remember reading an article one time where this man was in the hospital with broken bones in his ribs, leg, and face because a white man drove into him as he was walking on the sidewalk and drove him straight into a wall. A random black man on the street nearly lost his life because he was black and a white supremacist was mad at that. It brings tears into my eyes when I think about how scary it is to live in America as a Black person. The most disheartening part of this young shooter at the protest is that even after he shot these people, the police drove right past him. Even though he clearly had an AR-15 on his chest, shots had been fired, his arms were up in the air, and the crowd was screaming that he was the shooter. Instead, civilian civilian accounts on the scene claim that police actually embraced the father and son when they arrived, protecting them, giving them water, and thanking them for their service. Sounds like when Dylan Ruth killed nine black people in a church in South Carolina and was escorted from the scene in comfort. If any of these people were black, they would have been shot and killed in a matter of seconds. And that is the problem. There have been nearly 2,000 killings of black people by police since 2013. Only 3% of these cases resulted in charges against the officers, and fewer than 1% actually made it to a conviction. What gets me the most is that these people were killed for such minimal or no offense at all. This is why we scream Black Lives Matter. Because this country repeatedly tries to make it known that they don't think we do. And we can no longer stand for that. The resources I will leave you all today are the NAACP Criminal Justice Fact Sheet. It contains a lot of important statistics on the police violence and criminal justice issues here in this country. The next resource is the 1619 Podcast by The New York Times. It was one of my inspirations for this season, and it's just, it's phenomenal. It's a really fantastic history lesson on a number of things, and it's important to engage with these type of things because knowledge is the only cure to ignorance. This week's action items are simple. It's been 167 days since Breonna Taylor, and we are still demanding justice. Visit StandWithBre.com to see how you can keep demanding justice. The last action item is justice for Jacob Blake. Please keep Jacob Blake and his family in your thoughts and prayers. You can demand justice by donating to his GoFundMe, sign the change.org petition. Lastly, please call the Kenosha Mayor, John Ataramian, at 262-653-4000, or the District Attorney, Michael D. Gravely, at 262-635-2400, or the Police Department at 262-656-1234, or the Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call at 608 266 1221, and the Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers at 608 266 1212. All of this information will be available on our Instagram at goodmorn.neighbors and on our Facebook page at Good Morning Neighbors. Don't forget, you can listen to this full episode and any other GMN Season 5 episodes on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts under Good Morning Neighbors. Thank you all so much for tuning in today and listening. I appreciate each of you. I hope you learned something today and will use this information to better inform your thoughts, opinions, ideas, and actions. Make sure to tune in on Thursday as I speak with Jeffrey Abramowitz about his experience in the prison system, his work with re-entry, and the corrupt criminal justice and prison system. We had a great conversation. Follow us on Instagram at goodmorning.neighbors and on Facebook, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts at Good Neighbors. You've been tuned in to Good Morning, Neighbors with Jane Jeanette Ansa on WKDU 91.7 FM. Talk to y'all on Thursday. Have a wonderful day. Peace. Hashtag, say their names. Demarcus Summer, Willie Tillman, Terrell Thomas, Sylville Smith, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Terrence Crutcher, Paul O'Neill, Alteria Woods, Jordan Edwards, Aaron Bailey, Renelle Foster, Stefan Clark, Antoine Rose, Botham Jean, Pamela Turner, Dominique Clayton, Atatiana Jefferson, Christopher Whitfield, Christopher McCorvey, Eric Reason, Michael Lorenzo Dean, Brianna Taylor, Ahmad Arbery, George Floyd, David McAtee. And to all those that we don't know, all those that we haven't heard of, and all those we haven't seen, May your death never go in vain, but be a sacrifice to the fight for our freedom. Thank you. We love you, our fallen angels.